Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, good morning and welcome to Crosspoint. It is so fun to greet you from this side of the camera today. Uh, God is so good. Uh, if you're just uh, joining us for the first time today, welcome. We're so excited to have you here with us online. You know, the past few weeks have been life-changing for us all. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected our lives at every level. You know, some of us have nothing left but time and worry. And, you know, some young families are struggling to provide and to teach their kids and to parent their kids at this time. And while others are on the front lines providing essential services, and we're so grateful for that and their uh, personal risks that they're taking. You know, today we know what would happen if the world simply just seemed to stop. You know, it, this is like a historic pause where I think we've been stripped of all the things that, you know, may have made us happy or the things that made us feel secure or in control. You know, this global outbreak has rocked our public and our private life. And so some of us uh, stay up at night thinking about all the things that are happening you know, in response to this time of pause, I want to ask you something really important. Where will you find your peace? You know, some of the most infamous men in history could not find peace. You know, for example, uh, they couldn't find it in their unbelief. The philosopher Voltaire, who was an outspoken atheist, wrote, I wish I was never born. They, some men couldn't find it in pleasure. For example, the romantic poet Lord Byron, who lived a hedonistic lifestyle, wrote that the worm, the canker, and grief were his alone. That's not peace. Now, these men couldn't find it in money. Consider the American millionaire Jay Gold, who had so much treasure, yet at his deathbed he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man in the world. You know, they couldn't find it in position or fame. You know, the British politician, Lord Beaconsfield, had both of those things. Yet he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood is a struggle, and old age is a regret. You couldn't even find it by means of war. Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world in his day, in the end he wept in his tent because there were no worlds left to conquer. So, like, if these men could not find peace, where will we find it? You know, I, I, I struggle with peace, finding peace. And maybe it's just me that struggles with that, but perhaps today it's you too. And so I have good news for us. I think it's no coincidence that during this time, during our isolation and all this uncertainty and the separation that we're feeling, that we continue in our with joy from prison series in the book of Philippians. You know, the question is, where did Paul find peace while he was in prison? That's a really good question. I think in Paul's letter to the church, his hope is that believers in Christ would find peace in our Lord Jesus. 
You know, for Paul is when we approach the God of peace that we would find the peace of God. And so let me tell you how we can do that. So if you brought your Bible or your device at home, I want you to swipe along with us to the book of Philippians. And I'm going to get you to log in to chapter 4 in verse 4. And that's where we're going to be today as we look at God's word. Let's read this really slowly together as Paul writes to the church in Philippi. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He continues to write, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What a rich text. There's just so much here for us today. But before we dig in, I really want to make sure we carefully consider the writer and the recipients of this letter. See, Paul is an educated Jew who's writing to a persecuted and predominantly Gentile church. They didn't have the same heritage that Paul did. They didn't have the same structure of worship or faith tradition. Their concepts of deity and worship and life were completely different than Paul's. They didn't come from a church background, as it were. And until they came to know Christ, gods were merely just mantelpieces to them. They were temperamental and fickle, and they had these human personalities. And so as Macedonian Romans, these Philippians were constantly overwhelmed with religious pluralism. They often faced the blending of culture and faith. They were overloaded with ideas and information. Can you relate to that? Like, aren't we always also overloaded with information and ideas in our life? Aren't we a lot like the Philippians? And so Paul advises the Philippians with all these things in mind. Paul approaches the topic of life and worship. It's both a Jew and a Gentile. And he begins by appropriating the great parts of his Jewish heritage. And then he concludes by making great application with the best of Greco-Roman virtue. And in this way, Paul effectively communicates the truth of the gospel across cultures to the believers in Philippi and by way of that to us. So, before we dig in, let's pray together really quickly. And let's ask God to speak now into our lives today, right here as we join together online. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, you are good. We know that you are in control right now. You are our God. You are one. And we approach you now and want to experience your peace in this and in all circumstances. Help us now as we read your word and reveal to us how we might know your peace. We love you and we worship you today. Amen. Amen. So really quickly, how can we find the peace of God that Paul had? Well, let's look at 
Paul's simple pathway to God's peace. The first leg of the journey to God's peace is to pursue his presence. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. He thinks it's so important to rejoice that he says it twice. The believers in Philippi would have noticed this as the letter was written out loud during corporate worship. He's making a point here. But why would Paul ask believers in Philippi to rejoice always? You know, it doesn't immediately make sense to me because I bet the Philippians could find more reason to despair than to rejoice. And so again, the key to understanding what Paul is saying here is hidden in his Jewish heritage. The better we understand Paul, the better equipped we are to understand why he would ask them to rejoice always. So what can Paul's Jewish heritage teach the Gentile believer? Well, really quickly, for the devoted Jew, rejoicing was not simply a response to circumstance. Instead, it was an intentional act of worship. One part of a set of three pious acts, a rich liturgy for the Psalter that you can find in the songs of King David himself. And they consist of three things. First is rejoicing in the Lord. Second is prayer. And third is thanksgiving. And so therefore, Paul tells us to rejoice always, but he also writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, for Paul, these acts of worship allowed the Holy Spirit to produce change in the life of the believer. And through them, we enter and experience the presence of God. And as a result of them, we have peace and the other fruit of his spirit. We respond with rejoicing and worship because those works of grace. So we enter his presence with song and thanks and adoration. And we leave his presence filled with gratitude and peace. So in his presence, let me tell you today where you're sitting, where you're at right now, wherever you're joining us online we can always talk to him. We can share our worries with him. We can sing songs of thanks and adoration to him right now. And when we enter God's presence in worship, we will leave changed. Paul reminds the Philippian believers that they always had reason to rejoice and worship. Why? Because the Lord is present. He writes, the Lord is at hand, or better yet in the Greek, the Lord is near. How was he near to them? Well, there are three answers. First, the Lord lived among them. He walked a perfect life on earth. He called people to follow him during that life, and he died a traitor's death and conquered sin and the grave. And it is through that life and by his teachings that we know his peace. The second way we know that he is near is that the Lord was present in their struggle, right there. He sent his spirit to be with them, to comfort him. Suffering with them as society pushed them around, as they were isolated and hurt, comforting them in their loss. He called people to put their faith and trust in him there in their struggle. And finally, they knew that the Lord was near to them because he would return again glorious and triumphant, we, and he would set all things right and right every wrong, and suffering would be no more. 
rebellious rulers would bow down to him and he would reign victorious and the shalom, the peace of God, would cover all creation. So Paul wanted to remind these believers that the Lord was near to them. Just knowing he is near changes every circumstance. And because he is near, we have peace. And it does not mean that we are careless or uncaring, but that means that we are not consumed with worry. We can go to him with every care and need. We can devote ourselves to him in prayer and worship and thankfulness. And no matter what is happening in our lives, he is always there. And because we are reminded of his presence and his grace and the work of his son Jesus, we are filled with his peace. That's great news. You can be sure that if you pursue his presence, you will be changed by the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul tells the Philippians that as a result, their reasonableness, or in other words, their kindness or gentle forbearance would be known to everyone, even to their enemies, even to the people in their church that they didn't really like. And you know, it won't just merely demonstrate gentleness, but you will also have peace. Because somehow, in a way that I can't understand and we can't understand, you find the peace of God in his presence. Because those who know peace inwardly express kindness outwardly. Don't we need that today, together? The peace of God so we can love people with the kindness of God? And so God, through Jesus Christ, will transform our inner being and protect us from all these intrusive thoughts and all of these chaotic things that will still our peace. That's why Paul writes, And the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, that peace will never change. It's unchanging for example, you know, last November, my little family, we went out to Canmore uh, as an escape to the mountains. And if you're familiar with the area, as you're driving uh, westward in Kananaskis country, you are just overwhelmed by the sight of the Canadian Rockies. Have you seen that? You feel reverent and you're humbled by them somehow. They seem to be timeless and, and radiate power. Their sheer magnitude would take a lifetime to know. And so in the darkness of the night, as we went into our hotel, they were there. And when the storm came in and we couldn't see them, they were there. And when we went to sleep and when we woke, they were still there. You know, in the same way, no matter where you go or what's happening in your life, God is always there. Powerful, victorious, and unchanging. We can confidently approach him, and we can rejoice in him, and we can always discover more about him in our worship, and we can stand on his promises and rest in his plans. Always pursue his presence, and you will know the peace of God. But you know, pursuing the presence of God alone is not enough to keep hold of the peace of God. Instead of being overcome by worry, God wants to, his peace to consume all of you. And so Paul wants to make it clear that the pursuit of God's presence and transformed lives are both inseparable responses to the grace of God. The truly godly believer both longs for God's presence and lives in God's presence. 
and one we pour ourselves out as an offering to God with joy and prayer and thanksgiving. In the other, we live in God's presence by doing righteousness, the righteousness of God, as we know it in his Son. And one without the other is not peaceful devotion, it's deadly religion. Together we can effectively be transformed as believers entirely, and we can be made part of God's redemptive plan to restore peace to all creation and in us right now. So the question is, for these Philippian believers, is how would they wholly devote themselves to God's presence and to doing righteousness, being part of his peace on earth? Well, Paul understood that every community of believers is unique. We are unique as a community. And so these Philippians, they were Gentiles at the edge of the Roman Empire. They were, they were part of a Greco-Roman culture, and their thinking uh, was inseparable from who they were And before Christ, they only knew gods of stone. They knew the rhetoric of Aristotle and the teachings of Plato and the virtues of the Stoics. It would not simply just be easy for them to adopt a Jewish style of worship. So Paul uses the best of Greco-Roman philosophy and virtue to help them direct their thought life and their worship. He provides them with a new tradition and framework that would help them pursue the God of peace for the peace of God in their world. And in the same way, we can find the peace of God in our world. And so as a result, Paul encourages believers to take the second step in their pursuit of peace. And so the second leg in the journey to God's peace is that we would meditate on his work. Really quickly, let's dig back into the text starting at verse 8. Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In an expert literary move, Paul does something here. He bridges the cultural gap between Jewish devotion and Greco-Roman virtue. He appeals to their minds. He employs them to ponder how they could discover God and the God of peace in their personal world. Things that are truly good and praiseworthy, like truth and honor and justice and purity and loveliness. Contemplating these things would lead them to the presence of God and his redeeming work. And behind each of these virtues, Paul says Christ could be found. Because behind every good and worthy thing, God is the author and Jesus is its embodiment. Paul says that the believer should think on these things. Literally, in the Greek, it means to count or to keep mental record or to, my favorite, lay hold on to. And so this is how these Gentile believers would ascend the hill of the Lord and come into his presence. This is how they could enter in rejoicing and know how to pray and have reason for gratitude they could meditate on the glorious work of Jesus and experience the peace of God. They could be Macedonian psalmists who would delight in the law of the Lord and his law, they would meditate on, on it day and night. And they could be like trees planted by streams of water and yielding fruit in, in their season. And the leaf would not wither and everything they do would prosper. They too could have that peace of God that experience. You know, there's this, this story about 
how John Wesley's life was changed forever. You know, before he was the great revivalist and the, the father of modern Methodism, Wesley came from a Christian home, and he was, you know, gifted with a keen mind and good looks. And when he was about 21, he attended Oxford University. And in those days, Wesley was a bit snobbish and sarcastic, a lot like me when I was 21. And so we can relate to this mindset. But one night, however, something happened that set in a motion of change in Wesley's heart. While speaking to a porter on campus, he discovered that the man only had one coat. And he began to learn that this man was so impoverished that he didn't even own a bed. But the man was unusually happy, filled with gratitude to God. Wesley thoughtlessly joked like a young man does about the man's misfortunes. He said with a touch of sarcasm, and what else do you thank God for then? And the porter smiled, and he replied with joy, I thank him that he has given me life and being and a heart to love him, and above all, a constant desire to serve him. Wesley was deeply moved, and it was in this way that he knew that this man had true peace. You, you know, for many of us, we will know, not know the peace of God until we regularly reflect on his grace. Do you know the peace of God? He has done great things. Meditate on his works. But for Paul, that's not it. He has so much more to offer us who pursue peace. And while pursuing God's presence and meditating on his work will bring some passing peace, our pursuit does not go far enough. It will not bring us lasting peace in all circumstances. To fully know the peace of God, we need to live in the presence of God as his son did. And so Paul encourages believers to take the third step in the pursuit of peace. And so the final leg of the journey to God's peace is to practice peace his ways. Let's read verse 9 together where Paul writes, what you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It couldn't be more clear. You know, Paul here is encouraging the Philippians to find peace by practicing the teachings of Jesus that have been passed down to them by the apostles' example and their letters Paul knows that the peace of God belongs to those who practice his ways. It requires both our pursuit of God and our living in submission to God. He knows that people cannot love their neighbors and know the God of peace. You can't love your neighbors unless you know the God of peace. If you want the peace of God, Faith and practice are inseparable. We need to identify ourselves with Jesus by living as he did. The word of God teaches us that without practice, faith is dead. And if we, it's like forgetting what we have just seen. Like losing what we have just learned or heard or received. We cannot merely know about the peace of God if we want to experience it. We must live out the peace of God as partners in his work of peace. And co-workers in bringing about Shalom to all creation. In the book of James, he illustrates that the close relationship between knowledge and practice is there. He says that faith without action is like seeing yourself in a mirror. 
and then immediately forgetting what you look like as you go about your day. It's ridiculous. There is a disconnection there between our knowledge and our action. And in the same way, we can be hearers who forget what we have heard, or if we want peace, we can be doers who act. So let me ask you, do our actions reflect the peace of God in our lives? We cannot experience the peace of God if we do not have fellowship with the God of peace. And we cannot know him unless we follow in the footsteps of his son, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. So where did Paul's peace come from then? Well, for Paul, every part of his life was focused on Jesus. He constantly was in pursuit of God's presence, and he constantly meditated on God's work in the world. And he practiced the teachings of Jesus and loved his commands. You know, the peace of God is at hand, and he's our ever-present help in our time of trouble. That same peace that Paul had is available to us right here, right now, as you join us online. No matter what is happening in our lives, we can have that peace. You, you got to know that right now, as you sit in your couch or in your kitchen, alone or with the people you love, he is near to you. He is present in your worship today. He can be close to you in your thoughts. He can be close to you in your living, in your actions. So let me encourage you today to acknowledge him. The God of peace, acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so, Today, before we transition to a time of prayer together, I want to ask some of you some questions. For some of you, I want to ask you, do you know the Prince of Peace today? You could be joining us today and you just don't have the peace of God. You just don't have that at all in your life. And you know, today could be the day that you put your faith and your trust in the Prince of Peace. And I want to invite you, if that's you, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want, we want to know, and you, you want to know more about that, or you want to talk about what that means, I encourage you to connect with us online at thecrosspointchurch.ca uh, slash new, fill out the connecting card, and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life. I believe in him. We would love to talk to you about it. But if you're a believer in Christ and you've been following him for a while, I want to ask you today, in this unmistakable time in history, will you turn and worship him in your times of worry? When you're filled with anxiety, will that be your response? I believe you could find peace if you turn to him in your worry and worship him. When your thoughts are filled with anxiety, instead, will you think on him day and night? Rather than scrolling the news or on social media, will you spend time thinking on his ways and his work and his virtues? I think you can find peace if you were to commit yourself to doing that. Can you find peace today in living like his son? By pushing aside your ways and pursuing his. 
What does that look like for you guys today, those of you who follow Jesus? And so, Crossbow, I want to give you a practical opportunity to enter God's peace today in prayer. And so as we close this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to engage in corporate reflective prayer. So let's, let's turn our attention to the living God of peace now. The God of peace is here right now. You are not alone. He is for us and he is not against us. And so you can bring whatever burden is on you right now to him. And so take a couple minutes to join us in praying. And so you can join along with those at home or on your own because you truly aren't alone. God is here. And while we pray together, there'll be some examples of how you can pray with us on the screen behind me or on your screen at home. And then afterwards, I'll commission you guys to go. So let's pray together.
Hey, let me close in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, today we just cast all our anxieties on you, for you care for us. Uh, your burden, the burden of following you uh, is easy, and it's in you that we will find rest for our souls. And so, Lord God, we ask that every person here that calls on your name and believes in you and knows you as Lord would find your peace and know your peace because you're the God of peace. And so, Lord, we ask that as we go in our, about our lives today that we would experience the peace of God and they would be active in our, in our thoughts and in our worship and in our ways. And we love you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.